I want to uh, invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read the closing verses of the third chapter. And if you are uh, just uh, tuning in, checking out uh, our church, you might not know we're in a sermon series from Galatians, God's Liberating Love. There are so many different ways. That's making me a little cross-eyed. I might move that back here. Uh, There are so many different dimensions to freedom, and uh, this small six-chapter book of Galatians touches on all of them in some amazing ways. So we're we're officially halfway through the sermon series right now, four-part series. This is starting number three. And I want to encourage you, I meant to do this earlier in the series, sit down sometime this week, just pick a translation, and read through in one sitting the book of Galatians. It's only six chapters, it'll only take you about 30 minutes. And I make this suggestion because I bet we all watch a lot of bad news on TV or radio or on the screen. Well, why don't we read some good news along with all the bad news? Would that be a good idea? You know, read a little good news about God's liberating love? And uh, just read it as a unit, and you'll be surprised at the insights you get uh, when you're not just breaking it up in little segments and little parts. Just a moment, I'll read from Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Before I do that, I invite us to a time of meditation and silence in God's presence, and uh, then I'll lead us in our family prayer. You are the God who sets us free. You are the God of continual exodus. We praise you, Lord and God, that you set us free from so many forms of bondage and you continue to patiently love us when we circle back and we have to be uh, set free all over again. You heal the brokenhearted. You bind up the wounds of those who are uh, lacerated by life's cruelty and pain. You gather the outcasts from the corners of the earth, Scripture says. So today we lift up to you all who are broken, all who are forgotten and cast aside, those who are ill, those who are grieving, those who are homeless, those who are far away from family, those who are lonely. We pray that today you will help us to hear the good news that is for everyone and help us, Lord, never to hoard your love Forgive us for assuming that you love us only or that you love us more than you love other people. Open our eyes to new truth. Forgive our sins. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and be glorified through how we worship you through listening and proclamation during this time. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to stand as I read aloud God's word as uh, the gospel comes among us and into our ears. Galatians 3.23. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ, 
you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, last month, some of us had the privilege of taking part in Baptist World Alliance uh, in Zurich, Switzerland. And uh, one evening, we got the opportunity to worship in Grossmünster Church in Zurich. That's a picture of the exterior of that beautiful church. The Reformer Zwingli, if you know church history, 500 years ago, almost 500 years ago, was pastor of this church, and he translated the Bible into the language of the people. And it was just such a rich experience to worship in that place. And if you can imagine, uh, Baptist Christians from 50 nations of the earth gathered together with Lutherans uh, inside that marvelous church, uh, singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. We worship not only across nations, but across denominational lines because the church is evangelical reformed, or as we would know it in the States, Lutheran. But here we were, Lutherans, evangelical reformed, Baptists from all nations and languages, singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And you're just so blessed to know that the cross of Christ reaches across language, the cross of Christ reaches across culture, The cross of Christ reaches across politics. The cross of Christ reaches, in our case, across centuries. As we were gathered together there, one in Christ. In verse 26 of our text, Paul says, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. There's an interesting dynamic to the Greek language. The Greek language word order is fluid. It's flexible. Uh, There's not a set word order. You can move words around and still translate the sentence. And it was the custom for the writer to put the important word, the emphasized word, as first word in the sentence. We would today use an underline, underscoring, or italics, or all caps. But since a lot of the gospel was oral and in the ear and what writing was done, all letters were in caps, the way they emphasized a word is to put it the first word in the sentence. And in the Greek, the first word in verse 26 is all. All in Christ Jesus are children of God through faith. All. That's an important word. And in the very next verse... Paul goes on and says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ. Baptism is that first act of obedience that shows that we belong to Jesus Christ. It is uh, the initiation ceremony into a new humanity. Christ is the head of a new humanity, a new race of people. That's, That's the way Paul describes it. And baptism is that initiation into that 
new humanity, that new family. And because we're not saved by our works, we're not saved by our merit, and all may come. That means, by the way, that anyone here this morning who's not yet trusted Jesus Christ may come, doesn't matter who you are, what you've done in repentance and faith to receive him. Because it's mercy and not works, not merit, that means that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That means that we are equal in Christ. And if we are all equal in Christ, it logically follows that we are all free in Christ. We're all free in Christ. Now, as you probably know, that freedom is fragile. We read the book of Galatians, and there were people who came in and tried to steal their freedom in Christ by imposing all these legalistic rules of things they had to do to really be authentic Christians. But the freedom in Jesus Christ is always fragile. It's always in jeopardy. I want to read to you a sentence from Eugene Peterson's introduction to the Galatian letter in his, in his paraphrase, the message. Listen carefully. When men and women get their hands on religion, one of the first things they often do is turn it into an instrument for controlling others. One of the first things that people do because of our egos because of our need to be right, because of our need to have everything our way, our need to control other people, one of the first things that people do when they get a hold of religion is to use it as an instrument to control other people. The Apostle Paul admitted as much in that first chapter. We talked about it two weeks ago in the first sermon in this series. He said, when I was Saul of Tarsus, I had all the answers. It had to be my way. I believe that I alone had God's ear and God's voice, and they had to do it just like I wanted, and I terrorized those Christians. He admitted that his ego had gotten in the way, and all he wanted to do was control and manipulate other people. Nadia Bowles Weber is a very uh, interesting pastor and author, and uh, I heard her on a, a podcast a while back, and she said, fundamentalists make two big mistakes. And by fundamentalist, she meant anyone who says, I'm the only one who's right, that it has to be my way. She said there can be fundamentalists on the left and on the right. She said fundamentalists make two mistakes. First of all, they have no joy. And secondly, they have no humility. Have you noticed that about fundamentalists, about legalists? All the joy has been sucked out of their faith. It's a joyless drudgery checklist. You've got to line up with me. And there's no humility. There is that arrogance that says, I have God's way and nobody else does. And she was on to something. And here's another psychological insight that the book of Galatians bears out. When I am not sure of my relationship in Jesus Christ... I will try to control others. There's something about not being sure about my own relationship in Christ that, that drives the compulsion to control others. When I am confident in my relationship in Christ, somehow I can let go of my need to be other people's Holy Spirit. 
and to tell other people exactly how they have to do faith. It's interesting how that need to control others actually betrays a lack of assurance and confidence in our own hearts. Well, Christian liberty is something that Baptists have long prized. You know, Baptists take it on the chin now in public for a lot of probably good reasons. But one thing that Baptists have always championed, and that's religious liberty, not just for ourselves, but for all people. Uh, There is a Christian in Sweden uh, named Christer Daylander. And uh, in a word and way interview, uh, he talks about how he discovered, he's done passionate work for uh, religious liberty for, for all people groups, not just for Christians or Baptists. And he said that one of the things that drives that is this liberty in Christ, that it's not just private personal liberty. It's also liberty of body, that we can, we can be free in a country. It's liberty of, of uh, human rights. It's also religious liberty. He says there's, there's all kinds of liberties, and it all springs from being free in Christ. And you just watch when someone finally hears the gospel and gets free in Jesus Christ, how all of a sudden the wheels start turning and they think about all the other ways that they want to experience freedom. Missionaries tell us this. Missionaries come back from the mission field when they've been in other cultures. And they say that one of the things that happens is that when the authentic gospel is preached without the trappings of Western culture, When the authentic gospel is preached, they said it's like fresh air blowing. And all of a sudden, people wake up in Jesus Christ to new possibilities. It's like freedom in Christ is fertile soil for other kinds of freedom to grow up. Freedom of the press, freedom of religion, education, human rights, care for the dispossessed the end to socioeconomic oppression of minorities, and on and on. This fertile soil begins to to, uh, grow all kinds of liberties and all kinds of freedoms because of freedom in Christ. It's a powerful, powerful thing. But there'll always be that push against freedom in Christ. And so Paul is making clear in verse 28 that in Christ, the old distinctions that we make, the old circles that we draw, don't count anymore. In verse 28, he lists three of those, and I want to show you those on the screen. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. Do you see that? He says those, in Christ, those old circles, those old distinctions don't don't matter anymore. No longer Jew nor Greek. No longer ethnic, religious, racial differences. No longer slave nor free. No longer socioeconomic differences defining us. No longer male and female. No longer gender differences defining us. What defines us is we are in Christ. Now, you know why Paul chose that order, that exact sequence? A lot of reasons. I'm not in Paul's head, but most Bible scholars believe there's an intentionality about these three things listed in that particular order. Paul was raised a good Jew, a zealous Jew, a Pharisee 
who kept all the laws. And every day, the good Jewish male would pray this prayer. I thank you, God, that I was not born a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Don't get mad at me. That's what he prayed. Now, you want to hear that again? And look at the three. I thank you, God, that I was not born a Gentile, neither Jew nor Greek. Ethnic, religious, racial differences no longer define us. I thank you, God, that I was not born a slave, neither slave nor free. Socioeconomic differences no longer define us. I thank you, God, that I was not born a woman, male and female, no longer gender, identifying us. In Christ we are claiming our identity. Do you see how powerful that is? That all of a sudden, through Jesus Christ, Paul's mind was blown and the circle got really, really big. And those old circles just got erased in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing, amazing reality. So, we stop making distinctions that God doesn't make anymore. Can we hear the gospel? We stop making distinctions that God doesn't make anymore. You know, um, several years ago I had some sunglasses that had a yellow tint. And it was just gross. Everything looked like mustard. You know, I, I must have gotten them on sale. Or I must have been on medication when I bought them. I don't know. But it's just weird. I finally got rid of them. Tried to lose them and I never could lose them. They always came back. You know, Here's a danger that Paul is preaching about and teaching us about. It's dangerous to wear the glasses of our racial and cultural biases to read the gospel. We instead should wear gospel glasses to read our racial and cultural biases. It's dangerous to use the glasses of our political and social biases to read the gospel. We should instead use the glasses of the gospel to read our social and political biases. But it's so hard for us to do, but Paul wants us to keep breaking out of that old tiny circle because in Christ, through faith, we are all God's children. Do you know how the Ku Klux Klan got its name? from the Greek word kuklos, which means circle. They get to draw the circle. They get to define which race is pure and who's in the circle and who's out. And Protestants are in and Catholics were out. And by the way, talk about wearing gospel glasses to read our social and racial biases. A lot of those Klansmen would change out of their sheets and go teach Sunday school in a Baptist church somewhere. Work on that a little while. The circle. But Paul says, no, you don't get to do that. I wonder if the KKK had read Galatians 3.28. But then we all have blind spots yet, right? I wonder what people will say about us sometime. 
about the blind spots we've had in the 21st century. And all of this kuklos, the, the false circle, got me remembering a poem that I had uh, cherished from years ago by Edwin Markham. And I hadn't thought about it in years, and the, the poem is entitled Outwitted. And uh, this is just, to me, the favorite lines of this poem. He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. Jesus Christ gets to draw the circle. Nobody else. And in Christ, we are free. And in Christ, we can let go of all those petty feelings of superiority and just live in the mercy of Jesus Christ.